Hello, welcome to Artsy Engineering Radio. My name is Kaya and I am an engineer at Artsy. Today we will hear from Pamela and how she became an engineering manager. And we will learn much more about her in our next episode. Who are you and how did you get here? Yeah, so please enjoy the podcast with me. Hello, welcome to Artsy Engineering Radio. Uh, today we're having a really cool person um, here to, to introduce to the um, rest of the engineering uh, listeners or the listeners of the engineering radio, um, Pamela. Um, yeah, so maybe I'll just give it, pass it to you to introduce yourself. So with the first question, um, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, my name is Pamela. I'm uh, an engineering manager at Artsy. I just joined three months ago around that time. Um, who are you feels like a very loaded question. <laughs> uh, I'll say today I'm an engineering manager um, who really cares about people and uh, their safety within teams. I'm also a creative. I love to make things. My current obsession is crochet. Uh, I'm working on a sweater right now. <laughs> Many layers to me. Yeah, I'm so I'm so um, happy that you have time today um, to do this recording. We we already had a one-on-one, -on -one and I was super curious to to know more about your kind of path into the career, but also like about you personally. And yeah, I know it's a little bit rough to find time together because we're in different time zones. Um, I'm in Berlin and you yeah. are in... I'm in Portland, Oregon. So yeah, um, West Coast time and then Berlin time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me right now, it's already um, pretty late. It's like 6.40 p.m. I don't know what mm -hmm. time is it in your, your place. It's 9.40 a.m. Yeah. yeah, so I'm looking, well. at, looking at your window right now, and it's uh, it's dark outside, right? Uh, yeah. It's yeah, and he, and here like the sun like got up not too long ago. It's wild. <laughs> yeah, wild. <laughs> it's like a podcast um, in the different sides of of the planet. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe um, you can tell us about when did you start thinking of yourself as a software engineer? Like when was the, the start of the career? So if that's helpful, I can, I'm going to talk about uh, my background and kind of like how I got to, to the industry. Um, so I have a, an unconventional path, which I feel like a lot of us have now, um, and that makes me really happy because it's not like a one shoe fits all type thing. I graduated in architecture and then wow. meandered in fashion design, uh, and I taught myself how to sew and then decided to make a blog to show my creations. Uh, and that's kind of how I started with code. Um, I started with WordPress and PHP, which was very interesting as like a first, you know, first dig into, into code. And then I just got hooked. It was, it was really interesting, really empowering. Um, and as someone who really enjoys kind of like making things and having a very quick feedback loop, it just really matched my personality. 
I taught myself some Ruby, Rails, and then went to a bootcamp to get even more knowledge. And then I became a teacher at that bootcamp. And I think it's around that time that I was kind of like, okay, I, I feel good about this, right? Like I can call myself uh, a software engineer. Um, and then I got my first job at Vox Media. And yeah, it was it was really awesome to like join a team and kind of like start learning about their stack and, you know, all of their systems uh, and contribute to it, especially something that's user facing that, you know, people are looking at. Yeah, that was really cool. So around around the time I was teaching and then got my first job, that's when I was like, I'm an engineer. <laughs> And uh, do you remember which year it was when you wrote the blog posts and touched your first like PHP stuff? Um, I want to say ugh, 2014, 2014, maybe. Okay. If you would have said something like 2002, I would think like, oh yeah, that, that were different times and it was like a lot of different things there out there. But now like 2014... Sounds a little bit more like what maybe what I found when I started to look into it. So the internet was like not a complete chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was at least I, I used to live in DC. So around that area, it was kind of like the start of, I guess, the tech bubble within that, that region. The bootcamp that I joined was brand new and I was in the second cohort of of that city. Um, so it was still kind of really new within DC and and for me it was the perfect time to to kind of join the industry. Yeah. Wow, yeah. cool bootcamps are everywhere. <laughs> I think that's cool. yeah. yeah, me too. I'm also like I also started out uh, with a boot camp. So I, I I know a lot of people who come from that um, background and it's um I think it's cool if it kickstarts your career why not <laughs> yeah exactly and can you tell us like what was the best decision you made in your career or is there one that you think is the best <laughs> um I don't know that there's a best decision but something that I'm glad I did was moving from like a full stack engineer to a systems engineer. I felt at the time that I was lacking a lot of kind of like foundational knowledge when it comes to you know, how apps are made, uh, like how do they go from, you know, inception to deploy. And like I was at Vox at the time and there was just a big question mark whenever I had to deploy something and I just did not understand where things went. And back then we had a script that we had to run in the terminal. And then there were a bunch of like disclaimers and like, you know, things to make sure, like things to ask, are you sure you want to deploy to production? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Like if something goes off, it's production. And just, it was always very nerve wracking, especially because I didn't know, like if something breaks, I have no idea how to, you know, like where to really look to fix to fix it outside of my code, obviously. So I decided to, to go to the systems team to kind of learn about all of that. And I, I think that was really great because it just filled a lot of, you know, knowledge gaps that I had. Yeah, 
Oh, that is very reassuring since I have just done this uh, same step. <laughs> I've also just like moved to uh, from backend en engineering uh, to more like DevOps infrastructure kind of team and um, trying to fill those knowledge gaps. Um, yeah. I still feel more like a Swiss cheese with more gaps than cheese, but I <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm going to get there. <laughs> I think... I'm really excited for for you to be on the, the DevOps team that we have at, at Artsy. You're already leading the Kubernetes uh, peer learning group, which I think is really great. I think you're great. I'm just excited to see all the cool things you're going to do. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, it's good to, to have someone like you um, to look up to or like represent also, you know, women in this area because... As you can see, there are not so many of us um, in especially uh, DevOps and infrastructure, even though like engineering it in itself is already like a bit problematic. And yeah, it just feels good to have uh, someone like you to, you know, already like represent. And, and so I like people like me can already see like, oh, you know, she did it. So I can also do it. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for saying that. Um, and likewise. <laughs> Thanks. Is there anything in your work that gets you like the most excited in any work-related situation? Yes. As an EM, I'll, okay, for, first I'll say that in my experience, at least, the engineering manager job has many definitions. And a lot of times it really depends on, you know, what somebody has as like, you know, strengths. And that's what they kind of use in that job. For me, I really enjoy gaining a lot of context to be able to um, help unblock people. So I can talk about something that happened not at Artsy, but my previous uh, job. Um, there was just a lot of confusion around, around a project and like folks not really sure about like timelines and like how to contribute and how to get all of them in the same room, which like in retrospect, it all seems kind of like obvious, you know, like what the steps are to kind of fix the, fix the problem. But it was really cool to like get all of the context and then just, you know, start holding people accountable, put people in the same rooms, ask all the questions that I was getting, but like ask them in the public forum so that we all have the answers so that's, yeah, that's something that I really enjoy. So it sounds a bit like untangling um, mm -hmm. knots, <laughs> you know, like as if, uh, you know, you're trying to find like through all of these bits and pieces that people might have like not communicated well, like to find a source of truth between, you know, this communication channels and where things got lost on the way or something. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that analogy. Um, I, I really like clarity. I'm someone who kind of falls apart if there's no clarity. Uh, so if I'm able to bring clarity to other people, I'm more than happy to do it. Yeah. Okay. And let's jump back a little bit because so you said you transitioned from full stack engineer to more like infrastructure system engineer and then now you're an engineering manager and i feel like we're you know how did you get there 
from from the system engineer to engineering manager? Mm -hmm. So at the time, I was still at Vox Media, uh, and it was kind of like a, a weird transitioning period in the company. So my team lost its manager, and then our director left. Uh, so it was a lot of confusion and kind of like limbo. Um, and we were very close to releasing uh, a big project, which was to migrate all of our CI from Jenkins to GitHub Actions. Wow. Mm -hmm. And we were so close. And so I kind of saw the, I mean, I, I took the opportunity as like, you know, team motivator and kind of like holding all of us accountable to, to get this thing launched uh, and kind of like help the team get back on track with our vision and, you know, all of that good stuff. And it, it worked. We, we released the thing. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like a super smooth release, but we did it. And that's kind of how it started. After that, I kind of took ownership of like the team ceremonies and the team itself. I want to add like outside of the circumstances, I also really, really cared about the team and the team's success and my teammates, right? I just really wanted all of us to to do well. So I did it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Props for like pushing through in that situation. It sounds, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like you need a lot of courage in that moment to step up and say like, okay, let's do this anyway. You know, like the people who were in charge left and yeah. So props for, for the courage. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was, I was also very lucky that I, I mean, my teammates were great. We all had a really good relationship and we, I was, I'm, I think I'm very good at expressing what I'm good at and the things that I want to work on. And I was fortunate to have a space where I was able to do that without like any strong pushback or, or anything. So, yeah, uh, well, I, that's an important thing, right? Especially for women and women of color or black women, I guess. Mm. You know, you need a safe environment to thrive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's something that that I I think about a lot. Safe environments, how to nurture them and like and like be genuine with it, you know? Mm. I find as a manager sometimes there like there's like a bit of a conflict between okay, we want the success of the company. That's one thing, yes, but As someone who cares about the humans first, when I was at, at the there was like a big issue with how they treated people, the people on my team. And I feel, and because I felt so strongly about the humans, right, it was a lot of conflict with the entity and the company. And this is why I had to leave because we just disagreed on this fundamental piece that you have to put people first in order to, to succeed. Mm. So something that I think about a lot. Yeah. I mean, this is also what like makes the managing job, I guess, a lot more weight on your shoulders because, you know, you get the pressure from the execs and from like the company itself to be like profitable, you know, like be productive and performant and all these things. But on the other side, you are like a people manager and you manage people and they're not robots and you have to kind of, Yeah, give them the perfect environment to, you know, like thrive and like 
get the best of themselves and I feel like this is this job also is kind of like the buffer you know like the person who's like taking the pressure and turning it into something like that is um, uplifting and inspiring rather than like you know like making people feel anxious yeah <laughs> so yeah sounds like a rough rough position to be in it's not easy but I, I don't think it's rough per se it's a position where I'm learning a lot like all the time in a very different way than I was learning uh when I was an IC it like touches uh, like the psychology of things a lot uh, and I find that fascinating. So, what um, outside of your work is fascinating for you, or what gets you excited? <laughs> outside of work, I have lots of hobbies. Depending on when you catch me, currently crochet is is what I spend most of my time doing. <laughs> and how did you find that, like as a hobby? How did you get there? That's a good question, Kaya. How did I get there as a hobby? Hmm. I I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I think I don't know. It just it just fell on my lap, and then I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is it!" I tried. I, I had tried knitting. This is how I fell upon it. Uh, I started knitting. I hated it. It's too hard. You're asking me to hold <laughs> two things, and like, no, it's too hard. So. Uh, crochet for me was a good alternative. It's just one hook that you have and then your yarn or whatever you're using. And it's just so versatile. It's also kind of, it's, it was, it was like a bit challenging to like get started, but whenever I have this new, this new hobby, I just kind of like hyper-focus on it until I feel, you know, that I'm good at it. So this is where I'm at currently with crochet. <laughs> Outside of that, I like to draw I bake every so often. <laughs> um, and whenever I get the bug to code, I will code. I started on a tool to read all my emails, or I guess mark all my emails as read. The Googles that I did did not give me like a Chrome extension or something to, to make it happen for me. Because I have, I'm really bad at, with my personal emails, I'm really bad at like, keeping up. So I have like 20,000 emails that are unread right now. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. It's a problem. It's a problem and I'm trying to solve it. So I feel like I want to be the Mary Kondo and like go through them and like, which one sparks joy for you? And like, really, you know, say thank you to the rest of your emails and just let them go. <laughs> yes. I want to do that too, but it's just maybe I'll give you maybe I'll give you access to my email and you can do it. <laughs> I mean, one thing I don't know if that's a, like a, if you even want that advice from me, but like one one thing that has helped me a lot um, is um, to whenever I get an unwanted email um, that is like a newsletter or something that I never subscribe to. I go down the email to the bottom and tip the unsubscribe thing right away and then delete the email. And I feel like that uh, really helps to like keep the problem a bit in mm -hmm. check. Yeah, <laughs> I, and I agree. That is, I, I sometimes do that, 
but I'm also in the no notifications uh, squad. If, if y'all are out there um, and I don't get notified except for like on, when I'm working, everything is on my work computer outside of work on my phone. I try to have the minimal notifications. So I don't get notified when I get emails. I make it a point to kind of check my emails daily and kind of see like what's important. But obviously something's not working because like 20,000 emails, that's just not, that's not healthy. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Do you think that crochet has like anything to do with code patterns? Because if it Like, aren't there different patterns that you can do? Yeah, there are different patterns and different like clicking styles. That's not the exact word, but I'm blanking on it right now. And it's very methodical, similarly to working with code. In my experience, at least, like coming up with a concept and kind of like maybe pseudocoding what you're going to be building with with your crochet um, hook, getting all of your, your yarn, you know, put together and organized. Yeah, and then kind of like getting to coding or right now making a sweater. Um, I think it's very similar. I feel like a lot of creative endeavors are very similar to to code. Code is a bit of an art. Definitely. I think also if you look at like patterns, also in art or in nature, you can see a lot of super interesting things. I bet like in knitting, weaving and crochet, this can also be applied to and... I think it's great that, you know, it used to be like, I don't know, not appreciated enough, but now it's like coming back and um, it's kind of, uh, I feel like also it, it actually does play a role in our society, these like handcrafts that usually women used to do and especially maybe women of a mm-hmm. higher age and, you know, how societies like kind of, discriminating them already you know because like oh they're just women and they're older and like what do they matter and i don't know and now it's like they're kind of coming back and having like the stage now and like the things that they do are considered cool and like cool crafts and like this is something that actually is super interesting and you know and you can pick it up as a hobby and actually listen to them and like hear what they have to say and you know learn from their experience and i think this is so beautiful that we are learning to appreciate these things again in our in our culture and yeah i totally agree i feel like during the the pandemic I mean, it, it could have happened before, but I think especially during the pandemic, I've noticed with people working in tech uh, and fellow engineers, there was this desire to kind of like go back to tactile um, art. And that includes like making bread. Making bread was a big thing during mm-hmm. the pandemic, but it's like such a satisfying thing to like, you know, kind of directly touch the, the work that you're you're making something that you're building uh, and then that, that you get to enjoy later. So bread, you can eat it. If it's uh, crochet or like painting, whatever, you can like, you can see it and feel something from it. Uh, and I think that's very cool. Something that I'm working uh, my way towards is making um, kind of like replicas of African masks wow. with crochet. Wow. Which- <laughs> You know, we'll see if I get there. But I think being from West Africa and not West Africa, Togo, more specifically, and not getting to uh, go as much as I would like, I really, really miss 
home and reconnecting with it through art and 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 that you know that culture of like the West African mask with the this new hobby crochet I think it would be really really cool. Oh that sounds really wholesome and <laughs> like healing the homesickness through art. This is great. <laughs> this is a great um ending actually to the podcast. It le it leaves us with a with a good feeling. Um, I just have one last little question. I don't know if you have like a favorite um, shortcut, um, keyboard shortcut to share with everyone. That's, that's like a traditional last little question. Yeah. Um, one that I use often is a command tab on a MacBook just to go from window to window because I usually have too many open, but then also to go through <laughs> All of the tabs that I have open, command shift, um, the brackets, oh, yeah. to go either direction. Yeah, those are my favorite ones. That's funny. I've never really thought about it, but like those are the first ones that that come to mind. What's yours? I think my favorite one is like command shift five, which opens the whole screenshot menu, so you can also do screen recordings with it. And um, for me, that's like when I learned of it like i knew command four but i didn't know that there's like the whole other set of tools and yeah so i was i was like oh cool you know like if you want to explain something quickly mm -hmm. and you need a screen recording for it i was like this is so cool like such a nice tool especially for you know more remote work setups where you can't like sit next to someone and click through the thing but you have maybe asynchronously share what you're doing or yeah. something Yeah. Yeah. I will try it out today. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to share with us? Just thank you. Okay. Um, thank you, Pamela, for this great conversation. Thank you out there all for listening. And thanks, Jesse, for editing. And hear you soon. Bye.